welcome to Braveheart Conversations, where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I'm Jillian Aurora. And I'm Marie Wallace. And we are your hosts today. Okay. All right. Here we are. Welcome to Braveheart Conversations. I am Jillian Aurora, and this is my co-host, Marie Wallace. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning. And today we have a juicy topic. We are talking about the power of choice in sexuality. And what I mean by this is we often, especially as women, um, tend to minimize our, our choice. And we tend to feel at the mercy, maybe, of um, other people's desires. We tend to have a lot of obligation caught up in our sexuality and guilt. Um, in our sexuality and so we really want to bring those elements to the surface and talk about them. Yeah, great idea. Um, let's start with uh, maybe our childhood experiences, what we learned as children, what we learned maybe watching our parents, watching other adults, um, and what we associated with sexuality and gender roles and affection. What comes up for you, Marie, as I talk about like children, like as children, we watched our parents. We watched, I know I watched a lot of adults in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so outside of just the information that we were told, which a lot of it was taboo. So, you know, most of us don't get told about sexuality. Yeah. And what should I we- never was told. I it was... It was really interesting. We barely got told about um, puberty, right? For for me, because it was it was really taboo at that time to even really talk about it. Kind of had a general idea. There were even certain ways that you had to take care of yourself that were acceptable and not acceptable. And even like like I was told, don't sit on a guy's lap. But I never was told why or what <laughs> happens. I sort of figured it out, obviously. But um, <laughs> and then you know, of course, save yourself for marriage, um, which I did, and and you know all the stigma behind all of it, right? And going back to our good girl conversations, a good girl saves herself, and it's all about you know being a virgin, and it was also to cater to his needs and all of that. But it was okay if he wasn't. Mm-hmm. So there was a whole history of that. As far as affection, I never saw anyone be affectionate. Mm-hmm. Or definitely no PDA. You can't, you know, kiss in public, hug in public, or any of that. So I never, I wasn't raised with any kind of affection. Yeah, I remember my grandma um, in church complaining about a couple in front of her that just had their arm around each other. Oh, my. Like they needed to have a room. And I was like... How interesting. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I saw a lot of people in the church as well. Like, there was some discussion around sexuality and gender roles. Nothing too in-depth. I learned about sex from an, not an Amish book, it was a Mennonite book. What? (laughs) I was homeschooled, and so that was sex ed. There was a Mennonite book that we used. And it, it was pretty big. <laughs> we we didn't have any edu- education, really. It was kind of like 
um, save yourself, save yourself, but then it's the wedding night and all of a sudden clothes are off and you're going, what, well, what do I do now? And then all of a sudden it's okay, right? Like, no, 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 no. Yes, go. <laughs> right. and you're not supposed to feel bad about it anymore no. now that now that you're married just boom yeah um and control your urges and all of that so it sounds like both of us really experienced a lot of the purity culture mm -hmm. definitely um which it was a whole big thing right uh purity culture was and i was huge. raised in the 70s and 60s so it's like uh yeah <laughs> well and i think purity where culture, it was free love right so they're really trying to get me to be on board on. there was a big polarity yeah i think purity culture was at its height in the 80s or 90s mm. when um joshua harris are you familiar with i kiss dating goodbye oh yeah i've heard of that i didn't know that we were was. real big into that okay um but yeah so even so in that so i was a teenager i was probably 16 well i actually went to one of his conferences oh. like we were real real big into um i kiss dating goodbye in fact that wasn't radical enough um for us mm. um, there were some elements we thought were too liberal in okay. in the courtship process but um the idea was there were some you can't even kiss right yeah that's the idea is really any kind of affection at all is inappropriate until marriage like so, some bad things can happen if you um if you're holding hands or kissing or you know you need to be well then that leads to the, the next thing and the next thing <laughs> it's a gateway drug it's a gateway drug oh. um but i was really kind of taught to be scared of yeah. my own sexuality not only scared of myself but actually more so that i was tempting mm. my very existence was going to cause someone else right. to stumble and to commit sin and you know that i my very being yeah. was um was an evil temptation right I modesty guess. rules like really big modesty rules yep yep dresses to here and sleeves to here and yeah. to your ankles <laughs> i i went to um, a christian college that i hear today is a little bit more lax because you know they were losing students <laughs> but um we got demerits for any kind of clothing violations and i mean this would not be yeah. okay nope. because you know i'm showing too much arm and, and i literally got demerits for showing too much armpit at once because it was like a cap sleeve oh well and we couldn't wear pants yep it was dresses only um to our knees that it couldn't be tight uh we had to wear pantyhose uh, and there's almost 30 years difference between us <laughs> that's interesting to me um, I don't know that you can find very many radical schools like that. I'm sure that they still exist somewhere. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so there was this very, very hyper um, awareness and sensitivity to modesty. And I think the damage for women um, that modesty culture can really, um, the damage it creates for women is really this idea that my body is dirty. There's mm -hmm. something wrong with my body. My body is a cause for someone else's sin. And in essence, I think this is really, really dangerous because it takes away the responsibility from men yeah. for their own behavior. Um, I, I do remember being taught all through my childhood and teen years that men really couldn't control themselves, that they were wired in a way 
that they were incapable of controlling their thoughts and really incapable of even controlling their behavior. There was a lot of justification for um, sexual assault yeah. and, um, and rape that if they weren't dressed that way, you know, I remember, I remember my own father saying, uh, when a, um, when a child had been molested, that it was the parents' fault for dressing the child inappropriately. Wow. Um, so very much this, um, uh, the dismissal of any responsibility from men and their own behavior choices. And this spills over eventually into the sexual relationship in a marriage or a partnership. Sure. Because when you're still, when you're perceiving, both people are per perceiving the man as being uncontrollable and the woman as being at fault for whatever his urges are it, yeah. it creates a lot of guilt for her yeah and a lot of blame for him mm -hmm. where you know if if he has urges that are unmet well it's her fault mm -hmm. so i think we really get to look at um reconditioning ourselves in a way that is fully responsible both people are taking full responsibility and not um, you know, because that dynamic sets up a woman to be coerced True. and for that to be justifiable. And it happens over, oh my gosh, both of us have had so many people come to us with that particular story, right? Yeah. Being coerced. Um, in and it's marriage. been part of our story too. In, yeah. in our own stories, absolutely. We've both experienced that. It's a normal experience for women, and it really should not be. There is no justification for that to be a normal experience for women. Um, so in order for us to not have that be a normalized experience, that means we need to backtrack and we need to really look at these beliefs where we have justified that behavior. And both people get to take full responsibility. So, okay, I've done a lot of talking. No, Great. you did great. <laughs> Do you want to unpack some of that? Um, what comes up for you as I'm talking about, like, the coercion and lack of responsibility, even modesty, and how damaging that has been for both men and women? Well, it's, first of all, building the awareness, which that's, that's why we have these conversations, building the awareness, because sometimes we're in the middle of this um the culture and been conditioned for so long so hard that we don't recognize it don't see it and then it's when it's pointed out you're going oh my gosh i can see that because there's been many times um even even going back to well i'm going to just put out their masturbation in the in the um church culture right like you can't do it you can't do it and yet when you want to express your desires or express who you are as a person, you can't even talk with your partner or tell them about what you need or desire or want because you don't know your own body. So that's, that's one thing that's come up. It's just really educating ourselves to where and looking at where have we been conditioned? Where, where is it my responsibility? Where is it my partner's responsibility or any anyone's responsibility, not just in a relationship, because there's lots of things that happen outside of relationships. But what is my responsibility? What is 
the other person's responsibility in this situation and, and start vocalizing when something's uncomfortable or doesn't feel right or um, is not acceptable. That's just the beginning. Absolutely, that communication. And I think, you know, removing the shame from Definitely. ourselves, you know, around our bodies, but yeah. they don't need to be covered up. You know, every inch of me doesn't need to be covered up in order to make someone else's behavior be acceptable. Mm -hmm. No, they're responsible for their own behavior, and women's bodies get to be uh, not sexualized. Yeah. You know, um, just because someone's showing less skin doesn't make them in a sexual experience. That right. could be, you know, somebody that's like fully clothed head to toe could be dripping with sexual energy. True. Right? It doesn't have anything to do with the amount of clothes you have on or don't have on because women aren't ob objects. They are participants in the intimacy experience. And that's yeah. not what we have been taught. We have not been taught we are particip participants. We've been taught that we're consum consumable objects. Um, and so I think and we're not supposed to have desires because I've seen that women having those desires are bad, sick and wrong, right? We're, we, yeah. we have desires. Well, I've heard, I've heard women be described everything from trashy to, um, you know, temptresses yeah. and, um, Jezebel, Jezebel, there's, there's a lot of terms, sluts. I mean, there's a lot of terms, um, used for women who are in tap with or in touch with their sexuality that is not at all applicable to men. It's just assumed that men are going to be that way. And um, women, when when they operate from their sense of sexuality and in touch with what they want, they're deemed as really inappropriate and outrageous and shocking. Well, and if a boy does, it's just boys will be boys. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and they I... they have urges that they have to take care of. And it's like, oh, okay. I never personally experienced, you know, anyone saying, you know, men could, you know, it was acceptable for men to be um, promiscuous and, like, sleeping oh. around. I never experienced that that was acceptable. However, it was always more understandable if they slipped up. Mm-hmm. So... Well, I've seen... Um, excommunication from churches where the girl got excommunicated and the boy got a slap on the wrist and said, don't do that. Like mm -hmm. I've been a witness to that many times. So it, it does exist out there. And again, you know, to, to address what you said, it's not that it was, it was allowed in the church. It was, you know, it, they were given a, a, a grace pass. Yeah. And, Actually, that's backed up by scripture. So it is. in the Bible, it will talk about a woman um, who had sex out of wedlock being taken out and stoned mm -hmm. to death, but there's no mention of any punishment at all for the man. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I think religiously, I know from, from my experience and my um, perspective, that was all, you know, it, was, it could all be justified and backed mm -hmm. up. Uh, with with my own scriptures that I was somehow as a woman I was tempting I was I was simply an object that could be um, a stumbling block I would he would have been fine had I not been in the picture yep right? yep if I hadn't have done XYZ if I hadn't have provoked him or 
been in the wrong place at the wrong time or whatever. Or what you wore. Then it would have, you know, I could have saved him from himself. Because it's your responsibility. Not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Not at all. Um, So, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about what happens in the context of marriage, like down the road. All that programming was set Mm -hmm. for me, for you, for many, many people. I think especially this is particularly relevant for anyone who grew up in, you know, deep religion. Sure. Um, I think that we can still be very affected by our culture either way. But those of us who grew up with like purity culture as mm-hmm. such a big deal and um, religion really reinforcing some body shame yeah. and just shame as women, it's particularly true, but it set the stage for a lot of other things as we moved into marriage right. and relationship. So you know, I want to talk a little bit more about sexual con- coercion because that is such a common experience to hear about and there's a lot of deep shame around uh, sexual coercion so uh, let's just define sexual coercion it's different than rape because uh, a true rape would be saying no right not giving consent and then them proceeding anyway. Right. Coercion is a little bit different because it's more manipulative. Mm-hmm. So you may say no, and then they may say, oh, but I'm so horny. Yeah. <laughs> but you haven't put out in the last yeah. week. But normal couples do this every day. But I've had a long day. I mean, whatever the excuse is, but this is the coercion, right? So right. they're talking you into it until you finally cave and you say, I, I really want this intimidation, annoyance, uh, to be discussion over. to yeah. be over. Maybe I'm tired and so whatever, just get it over with. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> that almost any other woman listening to this, watching this can relate mm-hmm. that's been in a relationship because this is such a normal experience. But it doesn't need to be normal, and it shouldn't be normal, um, because true intimacy is when both people desire intimacy, Mm -hmm. when both people have mutual desire. It's never out of obligation. It's never one person just saying, um, I need you to take care of my needs. Right. That is not intimacy. So if you want to sign up for a relationship where that is just an obligation and a duty, which I don't know anyone who wants to sign up for a relationship that is built on that, we have that choice. We have that choice, but we do not have to accept relationships where coercion is present. That is a form of abuse. It is listed as abuse. Um, If you are confused in any way about what abuse is, a lot of people simply think it is, you know, hitting and physical abuse. It's not. There's a lot of different forms of abuse. If you go to the Domestic Violence Hotline website, um, there's some really clearly defined um, types of abuse. So, yes, there's physical, there's verbal, there's psychological, there's cyber, there's sexual coercion, there's, um, oh, what's another one? Financial. Oh, yeah. Um, there's there's several different types of abuse listed that would be really helpful for you to know those 
um, those definitions well because often we miss that and we're shocked often after exiting a relationship and then learning after the fact, wow, I just came out of an abusive relationship and I didn't even know it because we weren't naming those things. Yeah. So um, coercion is a form of abuse. Do you have anything to add to the coercion? Not at the moment. Okay. When we're done, then I'll go, oh, wait. <laughs> um, no, I think you covered it, it very well. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I want to address. Oh, I do have one thing. Yes. Because we talked about that recently is a no. Yeah. A, just a no. Being able to say no without any reasons or being in being in integrity with our no, like not no because I have a headache, not no because of mm, yeah. where I, I make up something to make him feel comfortable. It, it can just be a no. And, and I don't know, that was just the one little thing. I so huge. So I, I am a huge advocate of, you know, women being entitled to themselves. We talk a lot about this, that I'm entitled to me first. And I talk about the different elements of entitlement, you know, of me. Uh, I'm not entitled to very many things in this life, but I am wholeheartedly entitled to me. Mm. So the elements of me are my time, my attention, my labor, my resources, and my body. So people get to ask permission. I don't care who it is. Every single person gets to ask permission for uh, access to me and my body. And I am fully entitled to say no to accessing my body to anyone at any time with no reason. I don't need a justification to say no to accessing my body. And I do notice this happens a lot with yeah. women is that we feel we have to give an excuse. I'm too tired. I have work in the morning. I'm, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't feel we'll like make up it. something. <laughs> yeah. Um, instead of just saying, no, I don't want to. Yeah. Not feeling it right now. That's enough. You don't have to come up with uh, a better reason or a justification. Um, and then in the same context, in the same conversation as entitlement to my body, that I don't need a reason to deny access to my body. You know, we also get to look at the guilt that often we experience when we do choose to de deny, right? Mm -hmm. How many of you um, would say when you have stood up for yourself and you've been true to saying, I actually don't, don't want to be intimate right now. How many of you come up with that then sense of you guilt mm -hmm. and maybe you still go yeah. back and you give yeah. in anyway, because you're like, Oh, I feel bad that I'm, I'm not giving, giving of myself. I should give, 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 give. Um, so reclaiming that entitlement to ourselves also means dealing with that good girl voice. That's what I name her. My good girl voice is that voice of guilt that says, oh, but you really should. You should be giving. And um, it's unreasonable for you to withhold. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a constant battle with that old programming and that good girl voice that says I should give more of me and that I'm not entitled to me first. Um, I also want to talk about, um, some of the shame and blame 
around um, even those that may not have partners where they're shamed or felt guilty about um, who they have sex with or a shame about frequency or whatever their desire is. Um, a little bit around that. Yeah, there's no normal. You know, I, I've heard everything from, you know, normal couples have sex every day. Mm-hmm. Um, normal wives give blowjobs right. every morning. Like, just... Those were made up. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just talking more about, like, <laughs> that a single person isn't supposed to have desires or needs or um, that... You know, some of the patriarchy around, you know, saving yourself or not only the purity culture, but also the, um, you know, you're not married or you've been divorced, which we, you had a really cute meme about that. And just um, that kind of thing where it's, Uh it's bad and wrong for her to have a desire or want to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I was definitely raised with a lot of celibacy, um, that there's a lot of value placed on, uh, celibacy waiting until you're married. And the, the damaging impact of that is, is huge. It it impacted me greatly. Um, it made me, um, make some really poor relationship choices because, um, a, there's, there's a lot of pressure from the other person, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, why why can't we go there? Okay, well, let's just get married, mm-hmm. right? Did that. Um, and I, I've seen that happen I don't know how many yeah. times, and it makes me sad every time because it is a direct result of that programming that mm-hmm. is, you know, we're bad if we don't wait until marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and then I see just some awful awful marriage marriages created out of that really hastily mm-hmm. um very much for the motivation um, the physical motivation the sexual motivation where if they would just release some of that pressure mm-hmm. they could be so much more clear-headed um and maybe they would see that you know maybe we're not compatible or maybe we we need to get to know each other a little bit longer maybe this isn't the right time and a lot of those things just get so clouded because you have wrapped your head so strongly you've you've made yourself um at the mercy of this value that says um celibacy is the only way mm-hmm. and if you aren't abstinent until marriage then you're bad and wrong yeah so well and not only that um the compatibility sexually isn't just as important as anything and so in in my opinion because you can be with someone that that i don't even know where where to go with that mostly that 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 exploration and and that curiosity and all of those desires are just as important to know about before you even go into a long-term partnership with someone. It, it just, because there's so many rules around that as well. Like, you know, don't have sex with this person. And I don't, I, I think I, I have a deeper question, but I don't know what it is at the moment, but it's something around feeling okay with who you, you are with and, um, you know, you're, that your desires, your wanting, your needs to be um, 
I know I'm very capable of taking care of my own needs too, but there's so much church paradigm around even Nobody that. gets to dictate that. Exactly. Right. Nobody gets to dictate what your desires are and who you're with and when and why and... And the frequency and all of that. Yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to go, but I don't know what the overarching theme was. So, but that's it. Just no dictation of how Gosh. that looks or how it... It's your personal authority. Exactly. No one is your authority. You know, we have been so... Uh, what's the word? Um, it's just dictated. Our and conditioning. Our sexuality has been so um, dictated. Isn't isn't the full word? Well, rule driven. You can do this. You can do this. You can't do this. Yeah, it's so many rules around mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's it's just it's been dictated to death. Where you know we have been told what we need to do, how we need to do it, when, why, who, you know. Um, which is so interesting because just as we talked about from the beginning of this conversation, um, is there's very little talk about it, but then there is so much talk about it. You know, it's like the actual details about your relationship aren't talked about, right? Mm -hmm. The sexuality within your marriage, nobody wants to talk about that. You're fine. You're, you know, you've got the past, so you know, go do whatever you want. We're not going to talk about that. Now that you got the card, the, <laughs> the card, just the pass. The free I love access it. pass. <laughs> but everything before. Well, then, even in the relationship, there's not a lot of talk about mm -hmm. um, sexuality and what what the needs are, and how, and those are important conversations to have mm -hmm. with your partner. And that's what creates the intimacy that you're looking for and the connection that you desire. Um, it can even be spiritual, um, how sex can be when you have those conversations and really talk about what it is you need. And Yeah, um, I'm just going to read Pauline's comments. She says, no is a complete sentence. Yes, I love that. Um, also, consent is critical. Intimacy to me is no fear, for sure. And you shouldn't have any yeah. fear of denying right yeah. to me that safety mm -hmm. in any way it doesn't have to be just sexually but if i feel free to say no i don't want to spend my time with you right now no i don't feel like helping in that you know project right now no i don't want to give you my money you know those things being able to say no to those parts of myself you know no to giving those parts of myself um and safely, that is a, a, a secure relationship to me. And being able to accept now ourselves, too. Yeah. That's a two-way partnership and support. I like what she said there, too. Yeah. Solo pleasure practice prepares us to know what pleases me and then more confident in asking with a partner and showing them. Exactly. So I know that we are pretty close to time right now, but I think this is really important just to at least point out again going back to this idea that like no it's frowned on for everybody but then it's excusable for men because they're just built that way when we talk about solo pleasure that really has has influenced genders also because for men Often they do come to a relationship knowing much more about what they want mm -hmm. than a woman does. And the porn industry and like everything. I could open up a long, lot of topics. Right. Yeah. But I mean, men's pleasure is often the focus, focus. Yeah. 
of sexuality in relationships. Again, this is something that hasn't been talked about. It's been suppressed and shoved away. And so, you know, um, but we do have, you know, this whole other realm of porn and things that people aren't talking about, but they're watching. And it's all very much geared, you know, centered around men's sexual preferences. And so therefore, you know, um, you know, people say things like foreplay. Well, foreplay is a part, you know, very important part of female sexuality. And it's, it's the warm up. <laughs> it's seen as something that isn't actually, yeah. it's, you know, it's optional. Right. Um, and a lot of times female pleasure is seen as optional mm -hmm. instead of actually a part of the yeah. whole act. So, um, and that is a whole other topic. This whole month is about sexuality. So I'm sure we will get to more of that. Um, it, it's a big topic and it's something that is often hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, Which I like, you know, what Pauline said is being able to know myself well enough to explain that to my partner. Whereas conversations weren't really encouraged either. Like you yep. just do it. You just have sex and, and those other needs are met and you don't really talk about it. Mm -hmm. So we will really delve into let's have more conversations to this month. So Yep. Yeah, we'll be the scapegoat. <laughs> we will. It's important. It's so start, important. Start to make it normal. Um, all right. Well, we have met our time and this has been a, a very interesting conversation. Uh, let me throw a few book recommendations your way before we end because they were so helpful for me. Um, there's a book called Pure by, I think it's Linda K. Klein, I want to say, um, but that book was really phenomenal. That um, talks about purity culture, if that's something that you have struggled with, like myself and Marie. Um, there's a book called Vagina by Naomi Wolf. That book is also phenomenal and really breaks down yeah. some of those conversations that we haven't had. Um, Pussy is another one uh, by Regina Thomas Hauer. Yep. Um, so there's a couple of recommendations that I would, I'd highly recommend doing some exploration and, and discovery. So I'll leave you with those thoughts next week. Let me pull up our, our next conversation. All right, so consent. <laughs> consent is our next topic. There so, you go. Yeah, that'll be a, a beautiful um, pairing to this conversation. So if you want to join us next week to talk about consent and continue on this conversation, please do so. You can send myself or Marie any questions, comments, feedback that you have for us, you can reach me at defytheaverage at gmail.com or Marie. Marie at mariesgold.com. Yeah, we welcome those. Yeah, so definitely reach out if you have any, any further thoughts. You can also join us in our Facebook group where we are live every week, every Thursday morning. You can drop any uh, comments or discussion questions in there as well. And with that, we will see you next week. And I hope you have a phenomenal time in the sunshine out there, guys. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye.